Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2019 is brought to you by our Indiegogo producers, Richard Kreutz-Landry, Robert Anderson, The Drinking and Screaming Podcast, The Ostium Network, Damian Sidlow, Max Kasparek, Aaron Keon, Kyle Decker, Rocky Lee, Ryan Bolter, and Neon Green Tiger. A very special thank you to all of our Indiegogo supporters and to the IPM organizational team. And now, on to the episode. At home, I started developing film I found in old cameras, and I saw that there was a world beyond ours, a world that could only be found through hard work and superior intelligence, or by the unlucky. There exists a window to this world in the dark room. style farmhouse set up on the hill at the end of a dirt road. It was surrounded by overgrown fields which were bordered with stands of pine and birch trees. In the front yard there was an old sugar maple desperately trying to cling on to its leaves. The ones that got away crunched under my shoes as I walked up the driveway which was overgrown to the point that I had to park my car at the end of the road. It had been over a two-hour drive up to the township in Franklin County where the house was located. I hadn't been out of the car since I stopped briefly and welled, but I had finally made it to the abandoned Salt's place. The only neighbors were the random old farmhouse, kerosene-heated trailer, or geriatric electric poles, chipping and splintering and leaning into the ditches on the sides of the narrow crowned roads. Up close... The house was in better condition than I expected, given that it had been empty over sixty years. The paint was a little rough, but honestly, it looked better than most houses in the area. If I didn't know, I would have said that the house had been empty maybe a year, though the lot was in worse shape. I was able to find the current owner of the home pretty quickly, and I attempted to contact him several times, but things didn't go very well. I made several phone calls, sent emails, and even sent some handwritten letters. But the calls went to voicemail, where they languished unanswered, and the emails got no replies. Three weeks later, after I sent the last letter, I got an envelope in the mail that had no return address and was postmarked Rhode Island. The only thing inside that envelope was a single key. And with that single key... I entered the long empty home of Alfred and Eleanor Saltz. The interior of the house was in even better condition than the outside. It was in such good shape that I instinctively called out, Hello! And I waited for a second as my voice reverberated through the empty house. Obviously there was no response. 
My footsteps echoed through the building as I walked on the wide, uneven floorboards towards the kitchen. Not only did the electricity work, but the lights were on. In the corner of the kitchen, pressed against the white painted wall, a refrigerator hummed. I placed a box of old slides and photos I had found at the thrift store on the table, pushing a couple of half-empty glasses to the side. In the middle of the table sat an old Pyrex bowl full of rotting fruit, which I tapped a couple times with my fingers, expecting a small swarm of fruit flies. But I was met with silence and stillness. Pushing aside the bowl, I opened up the box of slides and placed a few of the photos on the table. I remember when I found the box at the thrift store. I recognized the man in the photos, Alfred Saltz, immediately. Alfred Saltz wrote a book in the early 1950s called Dreamscapes of the Outer Plains, which was highly regarded in certain circles. Despite being a pulp book, people praised it for its vivid depictions of the dream plains and encyclopedia-like details of the possible methods of travel to these locations. One specific thing mentioned, and debated heavily by those that wanted to transition, is the dream wind. A cold and pervasive wind that is said to blow over the dream plains. The sensation of the dream wind is one of the primary indicators of a true physical visit compared to the lucid dreaming practiced by the protagonist of the book. I was able to find many mentions of lucid visits to the outer plains, most of which happened accidentally near weak points in the fabric of the plains, but no mention of any actual physical entrance to the dream plains. Some speculated that any who actually made it suffered a quick and painful death due to either the intense mental strain or the rumored inhabitants. I stood in the kitchen with the box of photographs, put on several slides, looking through them and trying to overlap them with a view of the house. Alfred and Eleanor Saltz floated in coat of color rooms all around the house, smiling. Memories of happier times. One slide showed a newborn baby in a crib, the one that passed away shortly before the disappearance of the Saltz and subsequent abandonment of the home. It was getting late, and the long drive had made me tired, so I got my sleeping bag from the car, spread it out on the couch, where I lay down and fell asleep. That night, when I was sleeping on the couch, I was awoken by an unusual sound, a kind of tapping or knocking, arrhythmic, just intermittent enough to keep me from falling back asleep. I turned over and covered my head, but could feel the faint and hollow sound vibrate through the couch. Finally, I had enough of the noise and got up to search for the source of the sound. I searched the first floor, but I could find nothing. Thinking that the source of the noise could be some sort of animal, I grabbed my small electric lantern and went outside. 
after the door shut behind me. It was just a silent, moonless night. The stars shone clearly. It was an odd feeling, standing there on that porch, on the house in the field that segued into the darkness. This seemed like the silence would crush me. Back inside the house, the noise continued. I hit the light switch at the end of the stairs to the second floor, but the bulb had blown, like a few on the first floor had. I turned the lantern back on and climbed the stairs. The lights were out in the hallway in the top of the stairs too, leaving it pitch black, except for the glow of the lantern. The sound was louder now. The first door near the top of the stairs was cracked open, and it squeaked on its hinges as I entered. The room was almost empty, except for an old wooden crib and a small chest, and the shadow the light from the lantern made that zebra striped across the wide wooden floorboards and the white walls. The knocking was louder here. I could hear voices. I walked over to the window, and I held my lantern up to the glass to try to see out. The voices were louder now, but the window was dirty, cloudy, like an old chalkboard. And I could see nothing but my own reflection. In the distance, I thought I could hear the voice of a young girl crying out for help. I tried to open the window, but it was stuck. I set the lantern down on the floor, and using all my strength, I was able to force the window open. Instantly, I was hit by a cool breeze from the outside, and I was illuminated from behind. When I turned around, I saw that there was a light on in the hallway, a light I distinctly remembered checking. Walking out to the hallway, I could tell that the noise was louder now, and it was clearly coming from downstairs. And I followed this sound down into the kitchen. A woman was standing at the kitchen counter. The noise was definitely coming from her, but with her back turned towards me, I couldn't see what she was doing. Have a seat, she said. It'll be done in just a minute. I stood there as a cool, sweet-smelling breeze drifted through the house. Slowly, the woman turned around. It was Eleanor Saltz. She looked like she could have just stepped out of the photos that I had brought with me, but her complexion was off, pallid and dull. For a second, her eyes met and hers were dull and cloudy, like an old glass of marble. Without thinking, I spoke. You're Eleanor Saltz, I said. She paused for a second, and then slowly smiled. Unusual, she said. Somehow, you know my name, and yet, I don't know yours. I had a distinct feeling that I was being tested. I was just reading your husband's book. It was, she laughed. I'm glad you enjoyed my husband's book. <laughs> 
It must have put you to sleep. It was unlucky of you to end up here. No one has dreamt of this place in a very long time. She began to walk towards me. Instinctively, I wanted to step back. But I managed to hold my ground, not wanting to arouse any further suspicion. What do you mean, dreamt of this place? I asked. The dream planes. I am here physically, and you, fortunately, are a lucid projection. You were dreaming. Like in the book. Yes, like in the book. The book that I wrote. The book that was published under my husband's name because no one would take a young woman seriously. A book rejected by any mainstream science without as much as a cursory glance. A book that was published as fiction as a last resort. The cool, sweet-smelling breeze drifted through the house again. In the book, you say that humans can't survive in the outer planes. So, you're wondering how I'm here. Why I'm not dead. Why I haven't aged. <laughs> At least, as far as you can see. She stepped closer. I would rather cast off my humanity than die a failure. She stepped closer yet again. By now, she was standing so close, I could feel her cold breath. After the death of my daughter, I thought I could use the outer planes to freeze an existence at a point where she was still alive. But I made a mistake. I was in a rush, and the portal was incomplete. Alfred couldn't handle it here in the outer planes. His mind was feeble, and he was soon devoured. And I have been trapped here, surviving, changing, and growing hungrier every day, all while looking for a way back, looking for a way to fix things. Here, I am at the bottom of the food chain. But when we are in your world, your existence, we are at the top. I looked over at the counter where she had been working and saw an indistinct black mass on the chopping block and a milky white liquid had formed a puddle underneath it. The cool and bit again, colder and stronger. When I looked back at Eleanor, she was staring at me with her dull glazed eyes. I shivered. You felt the wind, didn't you? She grabbed my arm and I winced under the pressure. You're here. And you're alive. I tried to push her away, but her grip was too strong. My arm bruised under the pressure. It felt as if my bones were breaking. My arm began to crack. I began to struggle, flailing wildly. The woman laughed. In my desperate flailing, I managed to knock the bowl of fruit off the table, shattering it. For a second, 
the woman's grip lessened, and it was all that I needed to break away. Dizzy from the pain and unbalanced from the struggle, I fell to the floor. Feebly trying to get back up, I kicked a chair at the woman. There was no strength in my right arm. It was most likely broken, but somehow I managed to stand. Why was the woman shaken by the bowl shattering? My mind raced as I struggled. The incomplete portal. It took everything I had to run for the stairs. In the child's room, I saw the open window. As I ran for it, I felt the woman's hands grab the back of my shirt, nearly tearing it off as she tried to restrain me. Stretching my hands out as far as I could, I could feel the sill of the window on my fingertips. I pulled it down as hard as I could. As it shut, the woman let out an inhumanly loud scream that it was all I could hear as the window shattered and I was plunged into a silent darkness. I coughed and choked as an acrid dust filled my lungs, causing me to stumble and trip over my lantern. I hit the floor with a loud, hollow thud, and underneath me crunched unseen objects like dried chicken bones. Glass that had fallen onto the floor stabbed into my hands and my clothes as I dragged myself onto the hallway where I managed to pull myself up and descend the stairs and walk out the front door. Shining through the branches of the old maple, the sun was rising. I was breathing heavily, and all I could smell was the scent of rotten meat. I looked down to see my clothes, covered in a dark, grimy soot intermixed with small pieces of bone. As I moved... The sun reflected off the tiny shards of glass embedded in my skin. Without even bothering to shut the door, I walked down the yard to my car and I left. I never contacted the owner of the house or the police. On the way back, I stopped at a truck stop, had a shower, and cleaned myself off, clothes and all. Pulling the little shards of glass out of my skin with my awkward left hand while watching the soot and the sediment wash down the drain at the bottom of the shower, swirling down deep into the blackness, matched only by the dark room. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is Morning Dew by Liquid and used under a Creative Commons license. 
The link is in the show notes. You can support International Podcast Month via Coffee or PayPal and by retweeting, sharing, and talking about the event using the IPM 2019 hashtag. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and information on the event. International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.